Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, June 13th, 2023, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-host for the evening, Anastasia. Our guest this evening is Sandra Recchioni, who was born with the gift of seership and is a clairvoyant transmedium, as well as a divine dragon energy healer and flower and gem essence creator and practitioner, a diversified and universal spiritual advisor for our changing times. Sandra had a spiritual awakening at the age of 15 that became a catalyst and quickened her spiritual path. She became more aware of her clairvoyant gifts and mediumship, as well as her connection to the angelic realm and Archangel Michael, her guide, who has assisted her as her spiritual team leader through this lifetime. She later received the calling to enter the higher realms under the tutelage of Master Melchizedek to train and prepare for the incoming era of light. She is an ordained reverend in the order of Melchizedek and has had many transcendental experiences since her first awakening in 1985. Through spiritual practice and the prolonged use of the violet flame, Sandra became a keeper of the flame. She has since practiced the science of the spoken word and incorporates these teachings along with the use of the violet flame in her essence creations. The creation of starseed essences was divinely guided under the tutelage of St. Germain and other cosmic beings, and it was St. Germain who appeared to her in a deep state of transcendental meditation and told her to create these essences using her collection of crystal andaras. After her transformative healing journey with flower and gem essences, she knew this was something that she had to share with the world in order to assist her fellow starseed brothers and sisters. And her website is starseedessenceshop.com, and shop is the old-fashioned spelling with S-H-O-P-P-E, starseedessenceshop.com. At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest and hope to starseeds that you won't hear elsewhere. And we'd like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the Switchboard tonight, uh, for those who may have a question or comment. And if you'd like to show your support for our show, please just click follow on our show page. Our main website is starseedhotline.com, and the Stage 1 Starseed Confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one Zoom session. And remember, if you have a birthday coming up, you're going to get a window of 10 hours of great manifestation power. So find out exactly when it happens by requesting your solar return timing. And that usually takes about one or two weeks to get that. But if you want a reading of that chart, please order it uh, a stage two, about two months before your birthday, so you can understand that chart before your birthday happens. So uh, first up tonight is Anastasia with her wonderful Starseed News. (laughs) Hello, Ariel. Hello, everybody. Great to be with you tonight. 
Hi, we've got some really fun stories. I want to talk to you tonight about the native stork in America. You know, for a long time, I didn't know storks were real. I thought it was just a fable, but I shouldn't confess that. I suppose everybody else knows that storks are real birds, but, you know, it took me a few years in my life to figure that out. But um, in North America, we only have one native stork. It's called the wood stork. It's the only stork that breeds here in this continent, and in 1984, it was declared an endangered species after its population plummeted to just 5,000 mating pairs. Well, that sounds like a lot, but not in nature. And at that time, scientists predicted that the bird would be completely wiped out by the year 2000. Well, today, happily, the wood stork numbers in 10,000 mating pairs. I don't know whoever does all this counting. <laughs> but the Fish and Wildlife Service is proposing a delisting of the wood stork as an endangered species. They're kind of funny birds. They're cool looking. You ought to check them out on the Internet. Look up wood stork. Well, we can thank the Endangered Species Act for their recovery. It has overall been a remarkable success for the planet. It has saved 99% of the species that were on the list since 1973. Better yet, hundreds of types of plants and animals have been delisted as their populations have become stable again. And the wood stork is next in line to be delisted. If it is delisted, they say it will still remain protected by all the laws and there will be a monitoring plan put in place to ensure that their population remains stable. You know, we have species coming back, which is wonderful. Here's a story that's pretty, like, I don't know, jaw-dropping. Um, they discovered something very unusual in an airport. Um, it was actually happened earlier this year, and customs officials at Miami International Airport heard these strange chirping sounds coming from a suitcase. When they opened it up, they found a temperature-controlled cooler with 29 eggs little tiny eggs, which were starting to hatch. And already one pink chick had broken out of its shell. They're birds. What kind of birds are these? Well, the man who had attempted to smuggle the eggs through the airport on his trip from Managua, Nicaragua to Taiwan said he didn't know what kind of birds he was carrying. Well, as the more featherless chicks began to emerge, they kept popping out of the shells. Officials, of course, called a zoologist and a conservationist who quickly set up an incubator at the airport for the birds, which were identified as baby parrots. The next day, the birds and eggs were transferred to a rescue facility where in a week, 26 of the 29 eggs had hatched, with 24 ultimately surviving. Now, the birds do receive five hand feedings a day from the staff at the Tropical Conservation Institute. And the chicks, of course, owe their survival to the officials who found them, since the, ma the vast majority of these kinds of trafficking cases end in tragedy. They say the fact that the chicks were hatching the first day of travel from Managua to Miami tells us that it's extremely unlikely that any of them would have survived had this man gotten all the way to Taiwan. These oh. are very rare parrots, by the way. It was two species of parrots, very rare. And... Um, it was really special to find these birds. And all oh, the pictures of them online are just, oh, you just melt me. You know, they're so cute and kind of homely and frail and little bitty things. Oh, my God, you got to check this out. Look this up on the Internet, these found parrots at the airport. Anyway, in Miami, the, the uh, conservationist said um, parrots live a long, long time. 
They are sentient and highly aware creatures. They're very intelligent, very social. They deserve every chance they can have at life. And so now there are photos on the Internet with the parrots having grown some. Now they're feathered out, and somebody's feeding them. A bunch of people are feeding them five times a day, 24 babies. Wow, what a story. I mean, <laughs> and I, I don't know what, what about the story about all the smuggling that goes on, taking these parrots out of the jungle because apparently they're very popular as pets. But, uh, man, you know, that's one for nature, okay? Let's just chalk that up for nature. Nature one one, and that is fantastic. Twenty, Actually, 24. 24 check marks. <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, grateful that the, that the parrots live. The birds are so, so adorable. Well, and out of South Dakota, we have a wonderful story. Um, you know, I happen to love wolves. Wolves are just a thing. I love wolves. And uh, red wolves have been endangered now for quite some time. Well, the Great Plains Zoo in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, has announced the birth of six critically endangered red wolf pups. Now, that litter is vital to the survival of these species because there's only an estimated 23 to 25 red wolves remaining in the wild with approximately 278 in captivity. Now, while I think it's wonderful that 278 are safe, what does that say about us that to keep them alive, we have to have 278 in captivity. Anyway, I digress. Let's go on. The pups were two females and four males. They were born to first-time parents who arrived at the zoo in October of the previous year from facilities in Washington and Texas. So they put this, these uh, two wolves together to mate, and they were successful. Now, red wolves are currently the most endangered canid species worldwide, and the red wolves at the Great Plains Zoo are part of this red wolf species survival plan, which focuses on breeding pairs with high genetic diversity to support the wild population. Bless these zoologists' hearts and these veterinarians. Bless them all. The zoo's veterinarian animal care teams are closely monitoring the pups' health, the pups health and well-being. They're being observed through cameras, and they're getting regular checkups. And they are all healthy. And if you look at the Internet, they are adorable. They are yeah. just adorable. Gosh. Long live the red, the red wolf. Okay. Well, you know what? You're never too old. Now, some of you young starseed may not recognize this name, but many of you will. Joni Mitchell. In Washington State, Joni Mitchell was showered with love on Saturday night as she played her first headline show in more than 20 years. She can still sing. Talk about birds. Her voice is wonderful to this very day. Uh, She's 79 years old, you know, and until recently, uh, it seemed pretty impossible that she would ever have a concert again because she suffered a near-fatal brain aneurysm in 2015. She had to relearn how to walk, talk, and play guitar. But on Saturday, she played for nearly three hours. Wow. That's awesome. And you can check that out on the Internet, too. That that little concert is on uh, YouTube, and she sounds wonderful. Kind of gives you goosebumps. Oh, that's Bless good her to hear. Heart, 79 years old and sounding fabulous. Yes. Check it out. Well, I bet this isn't news to any of you, but I'm going to share it with you because I so identify. Here we go on with birds again. Birds and beautiful songs by beautiful singers, bird song, beautiful sounds. Well, it has been discovered in research, they're stating the obvious, but about why birds and their songs are good for our mental health. Yeah, you betcha. Two studies published in scientific reports highlight the positive impact of birds on mental well-being. 
The presence of birds, as well as listening to their songs, has been associated with better mental health and improved mood. No surprise. Researchers found that encounters with birds, even in urban environments, and especially in urban and high-stress environments, were linked to enhanced mental well-being. And listening to the recordings of bird songs, even through headphones, was shown to alleviate negative emotions such as anxiety and depression. The findings suggest that birds and their songs serve as a connection to nature and have a positive effect on our mental health making them a valuable source of well-being. And I wish to add spiritual well-being as well. They help us with our frequency. They bring in good energies. We can't live without them. We just can't live without them. A world without birdsong would be unthinkable. So do something to bless the birds in your area. Do something. Plant some wildflowers that they would enjoy have the seeds from and create a little space for them. Put out a bird bath. Let them take a bath. Um, the robins in my area just love the bird bath I have for them, and they enjoy it so much. So let's let's remember the birds and do things that protect the birds. If you have cats, please keep them indoors. Please, please, please keep them indoors. Save the birds. Okay. Well, here, you know, I'm all against AI. I have to admit, I have a bias. I think it's like, you know, just the worst thing ever. However, I'm going to share you this article just to show you that I'm unbiased. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to share with you some good news about AI and probably be mad at myself later. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. There is a new superbug-killing antibiotic has been discovered using artificial intelligence. Scientists have utilized artificial intelligence to identify a new antibiotic that can effectively eliminate a deadly strain of superbug through AI, thousands of potential chemicals were narrowed down to a few candidates for laboratory testing. The result was something called Abacin, A-B-A-U-C-I-N, which is an experimental antibiotic with promising potency. This breakthrough showcases the potential of AI to accelerate drug discovery and revolutionize the field of medicine. Antibiotic resistance is a pressing issue, and development of new drugs is crucial in combating superbugs that pose a significant threat to global health. Further testing and clinical trials are required before opposin can be prescribed, but this AI-driven approach holds great promise, they tell us, for the future of antibiotic development. Now, of course, we don't have any idea of the side effects, and many of these potent antibiotics have horrendous side effects, so we'll wait and see. But there it is. This AI can process information in such huge quantities and so quickly it just scrapes every bit of known knowledge and, and assesses it and pops up a cure. So it's a new world, definitely, and a, a very new world. Okay, I was surprised by this. This might shock you too. Have you heard it? The European Union has declared it is no longer dependent on Russian energy. That's right. When did this happen? The European Union has declared that it has successfully achieved its goal of reducing dependence on Russian energy sources through its plan to dec decrease gas consumption. The EU has ceased importing Russian coal, and the volume of Russian oil imports has significantly diminished since the outbreak of the full-scale war in Ukraine. Furthermore, Russian gas is rapidly disappearing from the European market. 
the EU's plan to reduce gas consumption by 15% for all member states, implemented in August of the previous year to address the gas crisis stemming from the conflict with Russia, has been effective. The European Commission has now recommended that EU countries voluntarily continue reducing gas consumption by 15% moving into the future. Additionally, the Commission has advised all EU governments to end support measures for energy prices by the end of this year in order to maintain fiscal stability and aligned with the new proposed fiscal rules in 2024, trying to keep it affordable, trying to keep it fair. And man, is this a story. Heads up on this one. This is wild. Scientists have successfully transmitted space-based solar power to Earth for the first time. This is something called SSPD-1, Space Solar Power Demonstrator 1. It's a system developed by researchers to wirelessly collect and transmit solar power from space. It consists of two panels that collect solar energy and an array of transmitters within Maple, that's an acronym, acronym, (laughs) you know what that is, A (laughs) a microwave accelerated plasma electrodynamics, Maple, M A P L E. Uh, that send the energy using constructive and destructive interference. Now, wait a minute. I, I interrupted myself. I'm going to read that again. Uh, the Solar Power Demonstrator 1 consists of two panels that collect solar energy and an array of transmitters within Maple that send the energy using constructive and destructive interference. All you young physicists out there, get this? Okay. Well, Maple has two receivers that convert the collected solar energy into, you'll get this, DC electricity, which was used to power LEDs during the experiment. The system demonstrated the accuracy of the array by lighting up LEDs one at a time by shifting the transmissions between the receivers. Brilliant. One scientific advantage of space-based solar power is its ability, of course, to operate 24-7, unlike ground-based solar power that is affected by nighttime. Up in space, there's no night. So the researchers envisioned the technology being used to send energy to remote regions of the world, uh, places especially affected by war or natural disasters, without the need for any ground infrastructure. No wires, no disks, nothing, no panels. Get it from space. Well, Japan is planning to pilot the technology in 2025, just two years from now, with the aim of using space-based solar power by the mid-2030s. Well, that's just astonishing. That is that is astonishing. And Biden, President Biden, has ordered a 20-year ban on oil gas drilling around the tribal site in New Mexico around Chaco Canyon. Wow. I can't tell you how important that is, Chaco. That is a very special place. The Biden administration has ordered the withdrawal of hundreds of square miles of land in New Mexico from further oil and gas production for the next 20 years. The affected area is located on the outskirts of Chaco Culture Naturalist Historical Park, which holds significant cultural and spiritual importance to tribal communities indeed. This order applies to public lands and associated mineral rights within a 10-mile radius of the park. Existing leases and privately state or tribal-owned entities are not impacted. 
Chaco Culture National Historical Park is considered a hub of indigenous civilization, and the decision aims to protect the sacred site and honor commitments to Indian country. However, now the plan has raised concerns among some tribal communities, such as the Navajo, due to potential economic impacts and restrictions on public land. They'll find another way to make money. The withdrawal is expected to result in fewer wells being drilled and aims to protect thousands and thousands of archaeological sites in the region. If you've ever been there, if you haven't, you need to go. Researchers are learning to treat depression by reversing brain signals traveling the wrong way. We don't think of our neurons as being one-way streets, but actually they are. Well, transcranial magnetic stimulation, TMS, is a treatment used to alleviate severe depression, and it's been found to work by reversing abnormal brain signals, according to research led by Stanford Medicine scientists. The study revealed that TMS modifies the flow of neural activity in the brain with depressed patients often exhibiting a reversal of the normal flow between key brain regions. The researchers have also discovered that the direction of brain activity could serve as a biomarker for diagnosing depression. Which way are the synapses going? What's going on with this person? And if the initial findings are replicated in larger studies, it could pave the way for personalized targeting of depression treatment based on that particular biomarker. Pretty in, in, wow. in, uh, incredible. Well, finally, I want to share a really humorous story with you tonight. Um, a steer has run wild on a busy interstate, and a cowboy with a lasso gave chase. I don't know if you've heard this story or not, but I'm going to share it with you. I hadn't heard it. It must have made mainstream somewhere, but I don't know how many of you heard it. As traffic began to build on Interstate 75 near Detroit on a recent afternoon, a 1,200-pound steer suddenly darted onto the highway, followed by a cowboy on a horse spinning his lasso. You ought to see the footage of this. It was pretty wild. Cars were still flying by when I went after him, said the cowboy, Ricky Littlejohn. What a name, huh? Cowboy, Ricky Littlejohn who was hired by the steer's owner to track him down. The steer, the cow, is named Lester, and he'd been spotted near a gravel pit along the interstate. And Lester's owner, who runs an animal sanctuary, was worried the bovine would run into traffic and cause an accident. The cowboy said he is a real escape artist. Now, why would he know this? Well, the the cowboy, Little John, only 29 years old, he makes his living as a horse trainer and a cow catcher. He's from Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Well, this was the second time he'd been asked to help capture this steer named Lester. Six weeks earlier, the cowboy snagged Lester with a lasso and returned him. But Lester is wily, and he got on the loose once again. <laughs> Said he jumped through a fence and never skipped a beat and disappeared. Well, this time... The cowboy knew what he was up against. Lester is fast, and the cowboy wasn't sure he'd be able to catch him this time, and the stakes were really high because of the crowded interstate, pavement, all that, cars, semis, trucks. Well, the cow had been missing for about six weeks. Finally, he was spotted grazing close to the interstate. The steer's owner got a call about a Lester sighting because Lester was famous in the whole area after he first escaped. Well, the owner called the cowboy up in Michigan, and uh, 
the cowboy said, let's wait till tomorrow. I got a, I got a drive to make. So the next day, he and his hired hand loaded up five dogs, hound dogs, and three horses, and set it out. Excuse me, and set out to round up the cow. He said, when we got to the area where he'd been seen hanging out in the trees and grazing on the grass, I got saddled up. It looked to me like Lester had tried to make a little home there. But as soon as he saw us, he took off running, and before I knew it, he popped out of the trees onto the highway. Oh. Well, the cowboy, Little John, said he'd already contacted the Michigan State Police to let them know he was next to the interstate trying to capture a wild steer. So when Lester ran out into traffic about 2 p.m. that Sunday, troopers were able to slow the traffic in both directions. He had police help. And uh, when the steer took off running, Little John and his horse gave chase. He said, I didn't want anybody to lose their life over a cow. Well, on a Michigan State Police dash cam video posted on Twitter and filled with comments like, holy cow, and I had no (laughs) idea we had cowboys in Michigan. Little John the Cowboy could be seen galloping after the steer in the middle of the interstate and confidently spinning his rope above his head. I knew I had one shot to get him, Little John said. When Little John let his lasso fly, it landed perfectly around Lester's neck, causing the steer to immediately slow down as it headed toward the interstate's grassy median. Well, guess what? The cow jumped the guardrail and (laughs) another rope was thrown to hold him. Roping a cow in the middle of the freeway is definitely a first for all of us, the cowboy said. And the state troopers were on standby. Well, two ropes uh, managed to hold him, got him settled down. Eventually, said the police, after much tomfoolery, the critter was captured and removed from the freeway. Troopers reopened the freeway and things got quickly back to normal. As for the bovine, he was not charged and is back in the pasture with a story to tell all of the other livestock. And that's the end of that story. <laughs> oh, you got to see some of this stuff. Yeah, what a picture! You got to see the pictures on the interstate, on the on the internet. Sorry, internet, interstate, all the same to me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> all right, everybody. I hope I hope you've enjoyed tonight's news. There's lots of good things happening, and from my heart to each one of you, all goodness, all love. Have a beautiful couple of weeks, everybody, and thank you, Ariel, for letting me be with you tonight. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And the, good job. I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff, but that that cow story or steer story is gonna is gonna <laughs> stick with me for a bit. So That's thank you wonderful. so much, Anastasia. You're welcome. You're welcome. Much love to you guys. Good night. Okay. Good night. Wow. <laughs> I, it's it's amazing what 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 doesn't make the news, uh, and I, I think that that's pretty entertaining myself. So I am going to get Sandra um, online here. Just a second. Hi, Sandra. Welcome to the show. Hi, Ariel. Hello, it's everyone. A, it's always a pleasure to uh, to speak with you. And um, I know that we've got we've got a lot of um, information and help for Star Seeds coming tonight. So, uh, first of all, though, for those that might not have heard you uh, on the show before because you've been here a few times, um, just kind of give a, a little a little background on your you know your early life and uh, and how you were awakened spiritually and how that kind of opened the door 
uh, for the path that you've been on. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, it's a long story, uh, but the um, condensed version. In, <laughs> the <Yeah>. condensed version. <laughs> um, uh, in 1985, I had an experience as a as a young girl um, with a being that I later came to understand was an angel. Um, he was undercover as a police officer, so that might give you a hint that it might be Archangel Michael, maybe. He was in blue. Um, but at that time, I wasn't familiar. I was uh, a Catholic school girl, and that's all I knew. And I was thrown into a situation one night um, in New York City where I was with a friend, and we encountered a human who was, in my opinion, possessed by a, a darker entity. And we basically had to escape. Um, we did. I did. Uh, we separated along the way. That's a story for another day. But I ended up uh, in a precinct where I went to seek help. And uh, it wasn't a police precinct. It was more like a transit New York precinct where they're on the highways and, and sort in the tunnels. Um, and this elderly man with white hair was the person that was helping me. And he was very kind. And I was very shaken. I was distraught. I was shaken. I was scared. I didn't understand what I had experienced and what I had seen. And it was a rude awakening is what I call it. Um, and that gentleman eased me and, and gave me some peace. I didn't think anything of it. We got into conversation. We had an in-depth conversation about my life, which I remember bits and pieces about. Um, and he was kind of um, psychic. Like he knew when my parents were arriving to pick me up. Like he knew, he was like, oh, I think your mom's here. And when we said our goodbyes, I felt very emotional. And I wanted to hug him. And I didn't know why I had this feeling. Um, instead, I shook his hand. And when we shook hands, in those few seconds that you do a handshake, a surge of electricity went up my arm and into my body. And I stood there frozen, just feeling this. And when I let go of his hand, I said to myself, oh my God, you are an angel. I just felt it. It was a knowing. And he smiled and disappeared back into the precinct. And that's my story. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, if people, I think, have more encounters with angels in human form um, rather than the, you know, the biblical appearance of a, you know, a, a winged floating type creature. Uh, and do you, what do you think about how, um, you know, can, can angelic energies um, inhabit a person for a specific purpose, moment, time, you know, um, 
part of, of, you know, them being in the right place at the right time, and the angel steps in to kind of, it's not like being a, a walk-in, but kind of that, that overshadowing of that energy. Do you think that that, that can happen? Absolutely. There are lots of testimonials of people who have encounters with humans that end up helping them or disappearing as soon as they help. Um, Archangel Michael is is a big one with that. There's a lot of stories about him. Uh, One of the most intense ones that I've heard that really hit me in my heart was one about a soldier. A Marine who was, um, I believe he was fighting in in Vietnam, so it was in the 50s, I believe. I got my history correct. Um, And uh, this young Marine, his name was Michael, and he wrote home a letter to his mother, who was actually um, one of the, uh, she was an in-depth believer in Archangel Michael. That's why she named her son Michael. And he went off to the Marines. He had an experience there where he was out uh, in the field and he was on a secret mission and he was in the front. And he knew everybody in his platoon. It was special forces. And he was the only Michael in the platoon. And his mother had taught him a prayer to Archangel Michael or a decree. Um, And he said it every day while he was, uh, you know, out on his missions. And he also taught it to his you know, platoon, his team, his troop, and everyone called him Archangel Michael because they kid around with him because he would teach everyone this prayer. So that day he went out and he was in the front and he was alone and he was in a ditch. And all of a sudden next to him there appeared another Marine, about six foot four, blonde hair, blue eyes. And he didn't recognize him. He knew everybody, but... For some reason, he didn't recognize him, but he was caught up in the moment, not really paying attention. He was just glad to have someone next to him. And this six-foot-four, blonde, marine, blue-eyed, you know, said hello, and he says, hey, I'm Michael. And the marine says, yeah, I'm Michael, too. (laughs) So his name (laughs) is Michael also. And um, they have very little conversation. The gist of it is a, a, a storm a squall storm came through and they got caught up in it and he got lost from his platoon. But this other Michael Marine was with him the whole time. And all of a sudden six, um, I guess, commies back then pop up out of nowhere. He's alone and he feels a shot and the burning sensation and he describes it and him falling And he's worried about Michael, you know, this other Michael Marine that he had never met before, and he's, like, calling out to him, Michael, and as he falls. And then suddenly he felt arms holding him. And he said arms that were so big and strong. And then he saw a shining light as he, you know, drifted off because he had been injured into sleep. And when he awakened, his platoon leader was there and they're like, hey, Michael, are you okay? You know, we got you out of there and are you all right? And Michael says, well, where's Michael? And the platoon leader says, who's Michael? He's like the Marine that was standing with me before the squall came through. He's like, no, he goes, buddy, you're the only Michael in this platoon. 
and I picked all of you, handpicked all of you. So I know who's here and who's not. There is no other Michael here. So they thought he had been injured and was delusional, delirious. But he tells his mother in the letter that his platoon leader then asked him, how'd you do it? And he's like, what do you mean? How'd you do it? How'd I do what? He's like, how'd you kill them? There was no shots fired from your gun. No uh, ammunition residue on your hands. And those guys were sliced open with a sword. Oh, wow. So that was the best one that I've heard out of all of them. And if you read the letter word for word, it's very detailed and very long. But he basically sees this flaming sword presence. And it was Michael. And he called him every day. So that's why it's important to maintain open communication. You can't just call them when you need help. You have to maintain that frequency, that connection, because it's a frequency that we're connected to. It's kind of like a TV station or a radio station, and you tune to that station. If you tune it every day, every time you turn on the radio, you're tuned in. You don't have to search for it or get all that static. Right. Wow. <clears throat> so is that that uh, that prayer that his mother taught him, is that something that you're aware of? Oh, yes. Um, I was fortunate enough um, in my second awakening, because you have a couple in your lifetime. It's not just one. Um, my second awakening was with Archangel Michael, um, I had found him. I didn't know who he was. Um, Sunday school didn't teach us about Archangel Michael or St. Germain. It taught us other things. Um, so me finally feeling him in uh, that moment of a second awakening, of a second layer that, that of knowing that comes through your being is what it is, the awakening. It's just a knowing that comes to you in the blink of an eye and, and you have an aha moment. And I had that moment when I was visiting a flea market with my mother right before I had um, the experience with my Palladian family, which I speak about in one of the other shows, I believe. And we were in a flea market and I was looking for books because back then we didn't have internet. We had books and we had bookstores. And I love going into those old bookstores and just looking for all those occult metaphysical books <laughs> and mm -hmm. rare copies. And so we went to a flea market and I always go to the book section and there was tons of books, all metaphysical, you know, all astrology, all that stuff. And something tells me to pull a box from underneath the table where the books are. There were more boxes. I pull out the box, I open it, the first book that comes out at me was Elizabeth Prophet's book on St. Germain's Book of Alchemy. And in the back of that book, it's a paperback, there's a picture, an image of St. Germain, and I stared at it, and I was like, I know this man. Who is this? I've never seen him before, but I know him. And it was such a knowing of familiarity inside my heart that it jumped, it rejoiced, like I had found a treasure that wow. I had been looking for. And my mom looks it in and she's like, oh, yeah, that's St. Germain. I was like, well, who's St. Germain? I said, I didn't learn that in Sunday school. <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> 
and she gave me a little history. She didn't know too much about him, but my grandmother knew about him. Um, my grandmother had some French in her, so she knew of the Count de Saint-Germain. And I took this book and devoured it, took it in like water in the desert. Wow. And that was the beginning right there of second evolution <laughs> of knowing of that connection of that remembrance that you get just from a picture Wow, the song. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's almost like a, 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 you know, a song or a fragrance that you haven't heard or smelled in a long time. And then when you hear it, it triggers all kinds of memories. Yes. And apparently it triggered a past life of being a part of this, uh, I guess, frequency of the avatars, and it led me to the Summit University, which is, to me, the Church of the Ascended Masters at the time, um, with Elizabeth Prophet and Mark Prophet, and it was there that I came into a group of people that believed in angels, believed in all of the masters. We didn't just practice one master. We learned of all the masters, the Krishna, Lakshmi, Kali, there's so many. I mean, there's thousands. <laughs> so Ascended Masters were once embodied on Earth. They were human. And they evolved in their Christ consciousness and gained this attainment where they don't have to go through the cycles of reincarnation and karma anymore, where they've done their mission on Earth many times over and have seeded and left these seeds for us so that we can carry on and carry the torch and be the future newly ascended masters because we all have that potential inside of us. Right. It's just it's just a matter of maturing and continuing, you know, and it's something that you're never done with, right? I mean, your evolution is not, there's not a destination that you just keep going. And even I'm sure that, uh, I mean, would you agree that even angels or ascended masters um, are still on an upward spiral? Um, Absolutely, yes. The yeah. hierarchies are always moving up a notch on the ladder, as I call it, the spiritual ladder, the spiral ladder, the stairs that we right. go up as we ascend. Um, so then, but, so so after you you know you uh, had this encounter. Um, with who you now know as Archangel Michael, and then Saint Germain, and um, how? What is the time frame when you started um, studying under um, Master Melchizedek? I would say about um, that was 2001, so about 2004, 2005. I was uh, a heavy meditator. I always have been. Um, I started, for all of you who want to start meditating the right way, with Dr. Silva's Mind Control Method. It's a great book. And it gives you the right tool that you need to be able to, to know how to do that. And there's so much more available now. But I always use, I've been using that method since then. I was 17 when I read that book. And I've used it ever since then. And it's um, very easy. And it puts you in that and you have to practice. It's a muscle. And you have to keep, you know, strengthening, strengthening it. And uh, you have to meditate every day. 
and now it's not like before where the energies were a little bit denser. We don't need to really meditate for four hours like I used to. We can do it in 15 minutes, and it's because of the energies and the frequencies we're in now are different. So it's actually easier now. I find it easier now to go into meditation than 20 years ago or even 10 years ago or even five years ago. Um, So it's uh, a way of controlling the senses and opening up that inner communication with source because prayer is when you talk to God. Meditation is when God talks to you. Nice way to put that. Hadn't hadn't heard that before. So for um, for someone who who feels like they're on the verge of maybe making these connections, what kind of advice would you give them to kind of you know break through? Um, work on your kundalini. Uh, popping open the crown chakra is important, and balancing the chakras and, and making sure they're they're spinning. And the alignment is correct is important because you want to make sure you're talking to the right being or you're feeling the right energy. They could be an imposter in disguise when you have a misalignment of your energies. Mm -hmm. That's that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, when people start to open up, um, the discernment hasn't been developed enough to tell because... um, I always go back to the movie Ghost, you know, and Whoopi Goldberg, um, she kind of broke through, and then before she knew it, her whole room was filled with people wanting to, you know, want, wanting to, uh, to talk to her. Uh, so there has to be some kind of a filter so that you're only dealing with the highest energies and not, not a, you know, an imposter wanting to, for right. whatever their agenda might be. That's when your spirit guides come in. We have four main spirit guides. One is a protector. One is another one that works, that does, um, you know, gives you ideas. But the protector one is kind of the one that's the gatekeeper, and they allow who to come in and out. But you have to be in connection with your spirit guides first before you can even go uh, into the other realms like that because you need your your armor, you need your team. And it's not just you, you're not flying solo, you're in there with an entire spiritual team that we have, that we're born with. And a lot of people don't know, we're born with over 2,000 spirit, spirit guides and ancestors and family members and relatives and different, you know, past lives. And it's a big army we have. And they're there for us. They're our ancestors. They're our blood. And they try to guide you. And your spirit guides are assigned to you at birth. They're never relatives because your relatives are alive when you're born. So they're always um, beings that have maybe been with you in other lifetimes who now come to this lifetime to assist you and, and be your guide. Some could be past relatives but not relatives that are alive when you're born right Um, and these protector guides are the ones that talk to us and that are kind of around us and we even pick up some of their mannerisms without even knowing until you identify them you're like oh that's why i jump up and down like that 
<laughs> you know, you have a, a guy that likes to jump up and down when he's happy or whatnot. So it's very interesting, the whole spiritual world and how connected they are to us in this dimension, and we don't even know it. So if someone wanted to make that initial connection or contact with their, like, protector guide, um, how would you advise them? Well, if you don't already know and you're not um, already doing practices and meditations, you would have to go to a professional, uh, to a, someone who's a trans medium that can channel them for you and talk to them for you and give you all their, their downloads. And that's similar to what I do when I do my spiritual sessions. It's a lot of spirit guides that come through, mostly galactic, the Palladians or an Arcturian guide, but some are from past lives too. Um, but it's whoever finds the station. You know, and that's why it's good to always do your meditation at the same time every day because then your own guides and the masters and the angels, they're like, oh, look, Sandra does it every day at 7 in the morning. She does her meditation. So we know she's going to be there tomorrow so we can give her a message. And they kind of know your schedule then. Every day at 7, she's tapped in. And yeah, it well, makes it... Like a, it's like a date. You got a date every day with Saint Germain. <laughs> <for breakfast>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, if there if there's a rhythm to the opportunity, then it's probably easier to you know get the wheels turning when it's not you know hit and miss. Exactly. Yeah, and I've exactly. I've had several I've had several other uh, people tell me the same. If you're going to if you're going to do this and 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 meditate and try to reach out, it's best to do it. On, on a kind of like a schedule where you just do it the same time every day. Uh, and, have, I mean, I'm sure you have, but how how would a person discern, <clears throat> excuse me, if, um, if the, what realm they're dealing with? Well, you, you only want to deal with the celestial... Uh, realm. There's the three kingdoms, the elemental kingdom, the angelic kingdom, the kingdom of the ascended masters and man. Because remember, ascended masters were men and women. So that's the master or the, the kingdom or the order of the Christed ones. So we belong to that kingdom. So the only other kingdoms that you would be, I guess, besides the, the higher frequencies, if we go past the galactic you know, timelines, that's different. That's a whole other world. And you cannot master that until you have mastered who you are on the earth first. Um, and you can't tap into that until you are you know who you are on as a human. And you have your spiritual team together here on earth. And then with that spiritual team, you travel into the higher frequencies and the other dimensions. And that's when you can work with different beings that are out there. I mean, we work with them in sleep state, but it's different when you work with them in meditation or in in bilocation and, and stuff like that where you can actually focus on an intention and on a job and on a mission with your team as to as opposed to just floating around out there and seeing what's going on. Right, because that, that could be... There could be pitfalls to that. 
Yes, that happens all the time. In a lot of my sessions, I'm helping people recover from those events. Um, because they go in unprotected, they're not suited up, they don't have their team. I mean, it takes me at least 45 minutes in the morning just to connect to my team and make sure, you know, everyone knows what I'm doing that day. Because I let them know I'm going here today and then I'm going here and then I'm going there and then I got to do this. So help me, protect me, clear the way of any obstacles, of any interference, of any negativity that doesn't belong to me. And they clear the way for you. They're They're a block ahead of you. But you have to ask. That's our free will. And you have to use your free will. God gave us free will. That's our human right is that we have a choice. They're not going to interfere unless you ask. Exactly. I mean, your guides are different. Your spirit guides and your ancestors, they'll protect you if something's going to happen because it's a different energy. But the archangels, the they cannot interfere. It's cosmic law. They can't interfere in the affairs of man. So that's why group um, meditations, or, or not group meditations, but group prayers with intention or decrees and calls that are set with intentions with a group of strong starseeds, lightworkers, goes a long way because you're multiplying it with all the energy of the people, of the amount of people that you have doing it. So um, how is the angelic realm different from the galactic? It's a little bit different because of the frequency. It's all it is. It's just a shift in frequency. Um, For me, the galactic frequency was a bit of a shock. I was startled when I first felt the energies. And... That's what the Palladians always tell me to tell my clients. They're like, we give you little bits. We can't give you the whole, you have to have, you know, a couple of crumbs. You can't eat the whole loaf of bread at one shot or you'll get sick. So it's a completely different frequency. An angel was made for to help mankind. They're supposed to tend to us. That's what they are, they're here for. They carry the fire of God inside of them, the flame. They can come in, materialize, you know, appear to you, help you, protect you from anything, make you lose your keys so you don't get into a car accident. Um, The galactic is a little different than that. They can't just pop up and say, hey, I'm going to go down there. There's a frequency that we have to hover in to be able to even communicate with them. We have to be in a certain space. They can't just enter into the matrix like that. We need to go and find them in the higher elevations, in the ocean, all the places where there's high frequency in nature. I feel that's where you get more of the galactic energy, the sacred sites, the deserts, you know, Sedona, Mount Shasta. That's where you're feeling that galactic energy come in and, and hovering in that frequency, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely, <clears throat> and that's a good point that you made. Um, if, I mean, with the with the galactics, which are you know the off-world beings that we've been talking about for so long, um, they exist on such a high frequency 
that isn't it difficult. They can only like. Uh, I'm trying to make an analogy like with the, like a radio. They can only go down to a certain frequency, and and beyond that, they can't because it's it's uh, they exist on a higher and higher frequency. So people that are living in um, you know anger, um, depression, that takes your frequency way down. So wouldn't a person be less likely? to make that galactic connection if their you know if their own frequency is in the basement it's like we're up here in the attic but you got to come at least up to the first or second floor so that we can reach and connect with you is that mm-hmm. is that how you perceive it absolutely the downward spiral and the upward spiral and that's where in the downward spiral when you're hovering you know in between those two places that's where the imposters come in and they fool you because you're in that energy where the astral, the ones floating around the astral that don't want mankind to gain their immortality, that don't want us to ascend, they're still there hovering and they'll come in, oh, she wants to talk to you know Archangel Michael, all right, I'll pretend I'm Archangel Michael. And you might think it and feel it, but because you're not in that upper spiral of the frequencies, you can't discern. You can't see the forest from the trees. Right. So um, for for someone who was, you know, just starting out and wanting to, you know, connect with higher energies, it seems like job one would be to raise your own frequency to more joy, more gratitude, more, um, uh, more light. And once you have that, then you can yeah, give it a shift. shot. It's just shifting yeah. your perception. That's all you're doing, but you have to you have to catch yourself when you're falling back into that other space and be like, oh, no, I don't want to go there. I want to stay here. And a real easy trick to do that, believe it or not, it's what um, Einstein used to do, I believe, 100 times a day. He would say thank you. And I started that way. I would say thank you, thank you, thank you 100 times a day. And it shifts you into that state of gratefulness that state of being thankful for what you already know. You don't know what it's com- what's coming, but you trust it and you're thankful for that experience, whatever it is. It just puts you in this flow of receiving of, of that interchange of energy. When you write a check, I know it's hard sometimes to pay bills and everyone hates doing it, but try to, when you write that check, try to be grateful that you're able to write that check and pay that bill. And that switches the frequency of the flow. You're not like, oh, man, i got to pay this again. I'm not going to have money to do this and do that. If you do that, you're going into the downward spiral. You want to stay in that frequency of thank you for this. Thank you. Even if it's bad, thank you, because you learned a lesson. Right. Right. Um, and it could have been worse. It always could be worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, you know, I think that's a, a a thing, especially in this country, that people take a lot for granted, and they forget to to be grateful that that they can get up and walk. There are there are people that would give anything that could just get up and walk across the room. So, you know, we all have so much 
to be grateful for, but we just kind of forget to express that. And just saying thank you, just two words, a couple times while you're driving or if you're frustrated in traffic, just say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Traffic will start to move. I'm going to give that a try. I yeah, it'll start to I used to do violet flame when I was in traffic in New York. I would just start decreeing the violet flame and and imagining it all through the highway and then before I knew it the car was moving. It's a frequency. Remember, we make our own reality. It's whatever True. however we're perceiving and what we're putting out in there into our neutrinos. <laughs> right, right. So we we'll talk more about the about the purple flame and and your uh, guidance under Saint Germain. Well, the violet flame, um, of course, we all know is the the flame of fire of the burning bush, the flame of God. Um, angels are made of flame. The flames are in different colors. Um, there's the threefold flame, which is the spark in our heart that makes that heartbeat that's pink, blue, and yellow. Then there's the violet flame, which is the the ray of the seventh ray. So it's the out of the seven rays of the rainbow, it's the seventh ray, which is Saint Germain's ray, Archangel Zachiel's ray, but the original keeper of the violet flame, the first one who received the flame from God was Kuan Yin. And Kuan Yin gave it to Saint Germain because she moved up. She elevated up the spiral into a different, not a different space, but she's like, here, you're the hierarch of the Aquarian age. So she passed the torch to him. So she was the keeper of the violet flame for a long time. And when she made her ascension, she was in the portal and she could hear her her children crying from the earth, uh, crying for for her, for the mother, and looking at God, and God's like, it's your choice. If you want to go back, you can go back, or you can come here and come home. And Kuan Yin, who's the queen of compassion and who loves humanity so much, she didn't want to come back and embody on the earth again as a human. What she wanted to do was she wanted to lift the souls out of hell that have repented, that sincerely and truly have repented and bent the knee to the Lord, to the light. And she is the hand that digs deep into the depths and pulls those souls out and takes them into the light. So that is who, who, what she does, pretty much. You go to her for salvation, redemption. And so since she's now doing that job, she told St. Germain, hey, you, know, you could take the violet flame. <laughs> so he has the violet flame, and the violet flame is a transmuting energy. It transmutes, and it heals, and it accelerates. It's a it's an acceleration tool that Saint Germain has given us to be able to transmute our karma faster now 
so that we can make the the ascension. It's a tool for the new age, the, the golden age that's coming in. And when you uh, create a momentum with the violet flame, it's laser focused. And I don't really follow scripture too much anymore. I, I pick and choose what I look up in the Bible or what I read. But this uh, verse always stayed with me. And then I realized why. Fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devoureth their enemies. That's the fire of the spoken word, the fire of the violet flame coming out of your mouth through your throat chakra. And by invoking that violet flame in repetition, like a mantra, you create a momentum of this light. And it starts to purge everything that doesn't belong to you and it starts to help you clear your karma. It helps in relationships. It heals. So testimony. I had to go through a divorce once. And we were not amicable at all. We were fighting, battling in court. And for three years, I did the violet flame. And I did not like him. I did not love him. I had anger towards him. And that's what was fueling our, our battle and our drama was that resentment and that anger between the two of us going back and forth. So I decided I wasn't going to play anymore. And I started calling the violet flame and imagining both of us shaking hands, smiling, surrounded in this violet flame. And I call it daily, 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 every day for three years. And finally, the day came where we shook hands and he was smiling, and I was smiling, and the war ended. Wow. And it healed me, and it helped me remove that anger and that resentment and that pain that you have whenever you're going through something like that. And you could do that in any relationship. You could do it with your mother and father, with your kids. You can send violet flame to your kids to help them or to a loved one. Um, Again, it's your neutrinos. And the speaking of the decrees in repetition creates a momentum. And that's kind of like you're stating it. You're stating it. You're not just thinking it or it's in your, in your head when you're hearing it in a headset. You're actually speaking it. And that's the fire that comes out of your mouth. And it's amazing. It's an amazing tool for the ascension, for anyone who wants spiritual growth, especially in these times, you can get it so much faster by simply being disciplined enough to be able to repeat. Because a lot of us get bored after a while. You know, I'm tired of doing this. I'm going to do something else. (laughs) That's, you know, you have to have that heart open and you have to be patient. It doesn't happen overnight. Everything takes hard work, um, including our spiritual path and that attainment and wanting to... uh, to go home. Yeah, well, <clears throat> I would say the, <clears throat> excuse me, the work is the work is hard because you're hanging on to something or carrying a weight on your back, and that makes the work really hard. So the sooner you can transmute that, it seems like the the, the sooner you'll get where you want to go. And you'll feel light and bubbly after you do a decree session. Um, we used to do it for many hours 
back in the, in the 2000s, um, we'd have Dixie sessions on Saturday night with the Violet Flame, and we'd do internet marathons for all different causes at the time. Um, and it was the Iraq War. We would send plane to the, you know, we'd open up a map, and a group of us would, with our hands and the power of our hand chakras, all the Violet Flame and send it to that part of the map, the globe, wherever there was war going on. And it's arduous work. And it's hard, and it's commitment to to be a keeper of the flame, because that's what you become when you invoke the flame daily. And anyone that steps into your space gets a little little spitfire from that, and you ignite them, and then they want to hover around you a little more because they like the feeling. And then eventually you end up talking about the violet flame, and you share it with them, and then they start doing it and then they start hovering around people and then they get ignited. So you can ignite, you can activate people with this by them just being in your presence. You don't have to do anything. And a lot of us already come wired that way as starseeds. So imagine amping that up some more and making it a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is just really great information. So um, at one point, uh, St. Germain told you um, that it was time to create your essences? Yeah, um, well, it started with finding the Andaras. I I had been a rock hound my whole life. I did not know what an Andara was, and they were discovered in 1969. And... um, Again, my guides guided me, <laughs> and hmm. they, uh, I don't know where I saw the word, and it's, again, it's like a trigger, an activation when you hear the word Andara, I, I know that, I feel, I know that, what is that, I've heard it before, same thing, so I started to research, I came across um, the information about Nellie's Ranch and Mount Shasta and all the, um, phenomena that had happened there, and the first Andara website I landed on was that one, the one that explains that whole story and the people that were there at that time in the 70s and their experiences and what they've developed from those Andaras. So in researching all of this, I acquired a a substantial amount of Andaras, and um, I wasn't prepared for the price. I didn't know that they were so expensive. So I started filling up the shopping cart and I looked and I was like, oh, wait a minute, I can't do this. My husband's going to divorce me. Um, <laughs> can't spend this kind of money on crystals. <laughs> what are you crazy? <laughs> so I, I really, it really tormented me. And I sat there and I'm like, no, I can't. And my guides are saying, yes, you have to. I'm like, no, I can't. You have to. I'm like, I can't. I said, I can't spend this as a whole paycheck. I can't. They're like, no, you have to. You're going to get it back. Well, I listened to my, to my, you know, guidance, and I went ahead and hit the, I didn't hit the button. Someone took my hand and hit it for me. <laughs> and I purchased, I purchased the Indaras about two weeks later. I'm going through some forwarded mail because we had recently moved, and I had a whole bunch of forwarded mail I hadn't opened, and 
lo and behold, there came the checks for the utility company. We had just closed our account. For the cable company, we had just closed our account. And I got the money back. Wow. About a week or two later after making that purchase. So I started that kind of raised my eyebrow. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. There's something more to this that I'm not right. seeing yet. And right. again, they only give you crumbs. They don't give you the full picture in the beginning because it's like you, you can't. So you, you can't know or you're going to sabotage yourself. Right. Well, you so, could go on tilt. Yes, that too. Yeah. But as soon as I felt the energy in the crystals and I started working with them, I was just blown away. I was like, whoa, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> wow. And... I started working with them, and I, you know, had a day job, so I can't really meditate all day, although I'd love to. I uh, sleep with my crystals when I purchase them, and I kind of get to know them in sleep state. And then in the morning, you kind of wake up with all these ideas and downloads and stuff. It's it's really cool. So I did that with the Andaras, and I was uh, doing a sleeping a week, I, I guess, with each Andara, and I was working with the Tanzanite Andara on this particular week, which is the Andara that carries the flame, the violet flame, the blue flame and the violet flame. So Archangel Michael and St. Germain, which is the reason why I bought it. <laughs> wow. So I was like, hey, those, those are my peeps. Let me get that one. And it's a beautiful purple, deep purple Andara. And uh, I meditated with it. I slept, I, I put it under my pillow, and then the next morning I meditated with it. In that meditation, I had meditated for many years, but I had never felt the presence of an Ascendant Master as close to me as I felt that day with St. Germain. It was almost like he was a giant hovering over me and behind me and just speaking, and I was saying to myself, how am I going to remember all this? I can't even open my eyes to write because I didn't want to miss anything of what I was seeing in my mind's eye. And his words were specifically starseed vibrational essences. He says you have to create starseed vibrational essences with the Sundara. And you have to help your starseed brothers and sisters. And I was like, and he's like, you're going to have a laboratory. You're going to have the space. I'm like, how am I going to do this? Well, I need a whole, like, I don't know, laboratory. (laughs) I had no idea how to do this. So I started researching, and I ended up taking a um, flower essence uh, diploma course. For two years, I took the course. And during the course uh, was when I created my first essences, was when I was taking that. So as I was learning, I was, you know, being my own guinea pig and creating um, the essences and trying them myself first. Um, I never thought I was going to distribute them or have a website and people were going to actually buy them and take them. That was something I thought was going to happen in another decade or something. I was like, oh, in the future. Yeah, in the future. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was very fast. It happened I, about two years, maybe a year before um, I met you guys. 
I had already, or eight months or so, I had set up the website and had created my first uh, half dozen of them. And then I remember sharing it with uh, one of your quests, or I said, sent it to Tammy and Lavender. And I had given it to different people and different uh, healers and psychics and people that I kind of knew. And I would just say, hey, try this out and let me know what you think. And the feedback was great. And then... One day I overtook my um, white meteorite essence, which I've warned people not to drive when they're on these essences or not to do anything like that um, and not to take too much of it. I took six drops of white meteorite because I wasn't feeling it. I was saying to myself, I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, I want to feel this and I want to know what it is. And <laughs> I took six drops and that night at 3.30 in the morning I was woken up by a group of beings that wanted to communicate all sorts of stuff to me and I couldn't write it down. It was coming in so quick and furious and I still remember the images in my mind and who they are and the gist of the conversation, but I really wish I was prepared to have taken notes or recorded, transcribed what they were telling me. But that was just the beginning and that's when I knew that I was onto something here and I had to keep experimenting. Well, I can say from my own personal experience with your <clears throat> with your various essences, excuse me, I got to clear my throat. That they are very powerful and very effective. Um especially as we were chatting before the show, your formula called rescue me that was miraculous. I mean, when you are when you are in a really difficult situation very traumatic with or you know very very depressed or or you know any uh, grief anything like that those really big things that are enough to kind of <laughs> knock you off your feet boy that stuff just brought me right back to center every single time right and our that's the argentine essence line and it's actually i took rescue me after the hurricane when I was in Hurricane Ian, I was a mess for a few weeks after that. It was it really impacted me, the anxiety, the nervousness, the not knowing, and not to mention we were in the eye of the storm. So I took it, and then within a few days, I was kind of getting back to my normal self. But I needed, I had to use it for a couple of months. Um, and it's it's interesting because those are the flower essences. But the Andara essences, um, which are a little bit different than the flower, than the elemental kingdom, they're more um, higher frequency. But mm -hmm. those essences, uh, during the hurricane, I had, um, we were listening to your starseed uh, phase one for my husband. And you mentioned something to him about the Palladian. And immediately I was like, let me get my Palladian essence and let's call the Palladians to help us out with this hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> so I took my Palladian essence and I told Michael, I said, let's do what Ariel said to do and, and let's call. I had already made all the calls for protection and everything to all the masters, my guys. I called the whole team. Um, but I was like, I was getting really scared. So I was like, let's make one more <laughs> request. <laughs> Yeah, because um, it was a very scary experience. Yeah, well, you were 
you were well protected. You were well protected. I remember because that day that that Hurricane um, Ian came through that uh, that part of Florida, I was like, oh, she's not going to be getting her session today. And uh, when you emailed me um, the next day, you said that two months before the hurricane, your husband said, let's move. Let's get away from the, the coast. And you moved inland a little bit. And the house that you used to live in was underwater. Yes, so, and the roof was tarped and it was flooded. And that whole area actually flooded because it was uh, low-lying, so it um, was below sea level. Uh, wow. So they had about 18-foot storm surge there. Um, and the house we moved to was 18 feet above sea level. It was the highest elevation point, Port Charlotte, that we moved to. And we had no idea that he didn't pick the house because of the elevation. (laughs) (laughs) But good thing, you know, those are the things that happen. That's your inner guidance. That's why you have to know who your guides are so that when you get these messages, you just move forward with them. You don't doubt that it's your imagination or I'm not sure. And you have to know because that could be, you know, the difference between life and death or losing your home and not. And, you know, those moments where you get that that intuition and that message inside, don't doubt yourself because most of the time you're right, and we all know it. We're like, oh, I should have listened to myself, and I didn't, and now look what happened. Yeah, yeah. So um, you you have a, a message from one of your team for us this evening? Well, actually, I was, um, I have my Ascended Master Bible, I call it. It's uh, uh, the book of the Ascended Masters and their retreats by Elizabeth Prophet. It's a Bible. And I kind of flip the pages whenever I get an inkling and I just see what master it lands on. And today, as I was preparing for the show, I was um, actually uh, reading about the etheric cities that there are around the world in different places. And uh, these are etheric cities that are in the higher octaves. So there are 14 etheric cities over the earth, seven over the seas and seven over the deserts. And they're places where souls of light or or souls who have the assistance of the Ascended Masters can go between embodiments and during sleep. Um, and these cities are in the etheric level, and they are part of the uh, cities that are established um, for the outpicturing of the future civilizations of the earth for the golden age. So they're kind of lingering in the etheric before they fall into the physical. Um, so these cities, uh, uh, these etheric cities that we go to in astral, you know, at night when we sleep, uh, we can. The masters have their own retreats. They ha- they all have their own little homes where they take students in sleep state at night um, and train you. Um, that's a, where a lot of our training comes in. And sometimes you wake up tired is because you kind of we're training out there a lot and doing some work. So the master that popped up today, Zarathustra. Um, and Zarathustra uh, was 
how, let me see how I can pronounce it. He was the one of the ones who established one of the oldest religion, religions, which was Zoroastrianism. And he's a member of the Great White Brotherhood, and he is also uh, works in the order of Melchizedek. Actually, he is the oldest priest in the order of Melchizedek, which I myself didn't even know this until today. And Zarathustra has many disciples serving under him, and once uh, the disciples that are under him reach a certain attainment, he'll qualify them for the office of priest in the order of Melchizedek. And then um, they become teachers in cosmic service. So he's a very important being, and he did um, live on the earth. Uh, He lived in the area that is now Iran. Um, He's Persian. And in a, a message that he gave January 1st, 1981, He says, I am come to deliver the sacred fire of the sun behind the sun to raise you up and to establish you in the original teachings of Sana Kumara. Sana Kumara, who was the messenger and is the messenger that remains in service to the light for many life streams that accept this prophecy. So, Basically, he is one of the descendants of Sana Kumara, and he carries the teachings that Sana Kumara did when, had it when he came from Venus, which is to be a flame for the earth until the human hearts had their flame again, which was during the dark time on, on the earth. What I found interesting was that Zarathustra wasn't coming through for me to talk about him. He wanted me to talk about his retreat. So I'll read this from the Masters in the Retreats. Zarathustra has said that we are candidates to come to his retreat. He calls it the place prepared, a mighty retreat that is the replica of the sacred chamber of the heart, of your very own heart. The location of Zarathustra's retreat has not been released, and he explains why. I look forward to welcoming you there, beloved ones. Yet I have not released the whereabouts of this retreat, nor shall I. For when you make attunement with your own heart, beloved ones, and when you are in that heart as a devotee of the light within your heart, then so know that you will understand. You shall not be able to avoid reaching the retreat of mine that is the replica of the secret chamber of that heart that is blazing inside of you. Thus, I will tell you one thing. It is deep within the mountains. But which mountains, beloved? You will have to discover that for yourselves. So I find that funny. (laughs) That (laughs) here we are, all of us going to different mountains, Mount Shasta and Mount Ida and the Himalayas and... We have this master that hasn't disclosed the location of his retreat. But once you get into that place in your heart and you expand that flame within your heart, you'll find it. So I just find that ironic because we go on the mountain all the time to go mining. So I was wondering, I wonder if it's Mount Ida. 
well, we'll have to follow. We'll have to follow his words, and you know, like you have to do the inner work and and carry the light. Um, and then I was kind of getting the sense that you'll just appear there. Exactly, like car. we appear. Yes, like we appear yeah, at the Royal Teton, and and we just go there for those events and stuff. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. So you do the work, and then um, you'll just appear there, and you may not even know where you are, except that it was where you wanted to be. Well, I like the message because his retreat is the retreat of the threefold flame. And I had just shared how the three kingdoms, the kingdom of the ascendant masters and mankind, the elemental and the angelic, all are the three plumes of the threefold flame as well. So I thought it was a great way to end the message. And I didn't know this. So it was, you know, for me it was a coincidence, you know, those cosmic uh, coincidences that we have. And um, I just love when those things happen. It's synchronicity. Oh, well, like Lavendar always says, synchronicity is confirmation of of that alignment. So that is just wonderful. Well, um, I'm I'm looking, if if anyone um, would have a question for Sandra, uh, we just have a few minutes left. So if you're already on the switchboard, um, just press 1 so we know you have a question. Or if you're at home on the computer listening, dial 917-889-8292. And uh, like, like I said, we only have a few minutes left. But if you've got a burning question, uh, now is your chance. Um, and I also want to say, once again, um, your, your website, Sandra, is Starseed Essences, no, Starseed Essence Shop. Just singular word essence, and shop is S H O P P E. And you yeah. actually uh, you mentioned earlier that you do live sessions and work with people that way. And um, you also have a fantastic um, um, flower and gem essences to assist. I mean, they're tools um, that assist with your. Um, your state, your condition, your desire, your destination. Um, I, I've looked through a lot of, of what you're offering, and it seems like there's, there's something for every situation that will help. And certainly, as you mentioned earlier, um, even to start this um, connecting with angels, ascended masters, these three realms, um, you have to have your own chakras aligned. Because you you know it'd be like having a wire crossed, so um, I know that you've got several um, choices for um, flower and gem essences that can help bring those chakras back into alignment. Correct? Oh yes. Um, uh, for the flower ranges, the one uh, that I use is the Argentine essences yucca flower, which is a natural energy aligner, um, white meteorite scrubs your chakras and makes them thin and shiny. 
and the violet flame essence, which is the Andara that I spoke about earlier, that activates and starts to spin all the chakras. It's very subtle, um, and you need to take it for a few months to actually feel the momentum. But if you use that in unison with some violet flame decrees, uh, it really helps accelerate that momentum uh, a lot faster. And uh, again, I wouldn't use uh, the starseed essences while you're operating any machinery or driving because they are high frequency and they do put you in a higher state of knowing. Um, so you don't want to drive and then be seeing things in the clouds and talking to angels and stuff. So <laughs> Right, right. And I do want to thank you for the, uh, the care package that you sent to the Quest uh, last month with your um, your spray with shungite and tourmaline and yes, probably so. other stuff. But um, that is that was so important because at a quest, everyone is like walking two feet above the ground. And, and if you want to pull these energies in and really lock them in, you've got to have, you have to be grounded in order to have that, that flow. So everyone loved your sprays, and I thank you so much um, for those little care packages for everyone that attended. I love that spray. Well, like, like I said, um, St. Germain said that I need to get this out to the starseeds, and what better way than at your quest? And that's my gift to the starseeds that attend because um, it's just something I feel I need to do, and I'm in a place where I can do it, so, uh, yeah, it's there <laughs> for you. Oh, well, great, great. Well, I think um, do we have do we have a caller with a question, Kathy and Jada? Okay, yeah. So I mean, they're going to make sure that the uh, that the question is is on topic, and as soon as she comes out of that um, screening room, then uh, we'll have we'll have that question. And then I think we'll be complete for tonight. So, um, is there any? Uh, what is um, your newest creation as far as the essences oh. go? Well, actually, um, I did acquire a new batch of Andaras. So I'm Ooh. currently in the uh, meditative state with them and gathering all the information. But the next one that I am planning to release, just so you know, is the Andromedan Andara essence. Whoa, that, that sounds interesting. Has, yes, that's a, a very beautiful, shimmering pink Andara. And when I started meditating with that Andara, an Andromedan goddess, priestess, came through with a message. And uh, she's like, hey, we have Andromedan starseeds. And they need to feel this frequency. So remember, they give it to you in crumbs. So with this essence, you start to feel that energy, that Andromedan energy, which is 13, 14th dimensional energy. So if you are an Andromedan starseed, this is for you. Um, we have the Palladian light, we have the Arcturian light, and now we're going to have the Andromedan light, Andara. 
Oh, that's exciting. Okay, so uh, the caller is ready, and we are going to talk to Carmen, who has a question about your essences. Let me get your mic open first. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Hi, hi, Carmen. You're welcome. So um, go ahead with your question. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, which essences for the spiritual thing that you were saying not to drive? Not to drive with the star seed essences. So when you go on the website, there's different uh, ranges of essences. You have Argentine essences. You have animal essences. So when you go to the category of star seed essences, those essences you want to take in your sacred space. You want to be in, not out and about in the world because they are higher, higher frequency essences. Yeah, and how do you take those? Oh, okay. Um, well, they're used in different ways. A lot of that is explained on the website. But you, what you want to do is hold it in your hand and connect to your higher self and ask how many drops you need to take. Usually it's one, two, three, or four. Um, you'll get a two or you'll get a three inside your mind's hearing. Um, and you follow your intuition when you use those. You can use them twice a day. You can put them on sacred objects. You could put them in a diffuser and let that evaporate into your environment. You can put them on candles. You can put them on prayer beads. You can rub them on your wrist. You can put a few drops in your water um, and drink it throughout the day. So it all depends on what you're, you're doing at the time that you're taking them. If you're going into meditation, I always recommend ingesting them. Uh, two drops under the tongue a half hour before you go into uh, your meditation. If you're, gonna, if you're a Reiki healer uh, or a healer and you're working with clients, you could use them in your healing. You could ingest them, or you can rub them on your wrist as you're healing the person to pull that frequency through in your healing. Um, the white meteorite is very good for Reiki healers. Uh, also, the violet flame. Oh, I see. Okay. So remember, these are vibrational essences. So. They're not a multivitamin you take every day and put it in your cabinet. You want to take this with intention because what your intention is with the essence is how you're going to direct the energy to help you. Yeah, and do you know which one would be good for me? Well, it depends what you want to do. What are you trying to, to, to heal or, or activate or fix? And is it a quick fix, or is it something you want to do for a prolonged period of time? I think it would be good to be more connected. Okay, so I, I feel just from the energy out of your voice that you're, you need an alignment of the energy centers. I always send everyone to get Argentine Essences Yucca, because Yucca is an antenna. It's an antenna for you to connect, and it's also, in a, it aligns all of the energy centers and your entire aura. And then it feels it, and it has um, that capacity to make you focused, grounded, and just 
kind of when you're feeling off, you take a few drops of that and it puts you right back in alignment. So I would start there to make sure you're aligned and use that. And then once you're in alignment, you go back on the website and you just look at the pictures and the ones that call to you. Don't look at the meanings first because then your brain is going to listen to the meaning and you're not going to feel with your heart. Look at the pictures and, and feel with your heart which one is calling you. And then after you've made your selection, read the meanings and you'll realize that it's something that you needed and you didn't even know you needed. Yeah, I mean, so are these essential oils mixed with vibrational sounds or something? How do you, what the free, how did you put the frequencies in there? For which ones? Like for all of them, like any of these. Well, they're all, they're they're all vibrational essences, um, so they're all made with a solar infusion of the water and the sun with the crystal or with the flower. Some of them are distilled, which means that they're, the flower is kind of squeezed into the bottle versus the vibration of the flower. So all that is in the different descriptions of the uh, ranges. And if you want a deep you know, session with the flower essences or the different essences, that's where I offer my consultation so I can help you customize your own protocol of essences depending on what you want to heal and what you want to do, what your intention is. Okay. And how much are those? That's all on the website. All the sessions are 111 for the hour. Um, so you can pick and read through and see which one you want to do. Like, are they made of essential oils or? No. Essences are not made of, they're not oils. They're uh, not vibrational. The essence, so it's made with yeah. water from Mount Ida, so the Mountain Valley water, and it has alcohol as a preservative so that it lasts longer. Um, so if you're familiar with Bach flower essences, or bush yeah. flower essences, it's the same type of mixture, but just different from a different place, from crystals or from energy centers around different sacred sites. But you do have essential oils. There is a category for the oils that's there, but they're coming soon. I don't think they're up there yet. I am going to so have essential oils. And the sprays are made with the essences and essential oils, but those are aura sprays. They're just for space. Okay. Okay, so hey, Carmen, why don't you just take a look at Starseed Essence Shop because it it sounds to me like a a lot of the questions you're asking, um, that information is right there and you can can really get into it um, and... and, uh, See that what she's what she's now told you it, it'll start to I think to make more sense. Okay. Well, Carmen, nice to meet you. Thank you. Okay, thanks so much for calling. Bye bye. All right. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for sharing your. Um, your knowledge, your expertise, your talents, your gifts, 
and and what you do for star seeds is so important and uh, I'm just so happy that you're part of our family me too I'm so glad that I found you guys and it's my home away from home yeah well I'll look forward to seeing you in Arkansas at a future quest absolutely (laughs) okay sweetie thank you so much Thank you. Bye-bye. Keep shining. Bye-bye. Bye. So uh, we will be back two weeks from tonight. And in the meantime, remember, hold the gratitude in your heart. Don't let it go for anything. And show compassion instead of judgment. And that will be one of your first steps to a higher level. Until next time, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 